I'm a person who really understands bondage. I've lived in it for so much of my life. So that kind of freedom is so beautiful to me, even if I just taste it and then ping right off of it. It's, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. I first met Ashley Cleveland through her music. I was a big fangirl. Then I met her in person at a retreat, and she immediately put me at my ease with her generosity and humour, and we became great friends. She's one of the most down-to-earth and honest people you'll ever meet. And anywhere she is, there's laughter. But it's the kind of laughter C.S. Lewis talks about. Quote, that kind, and it is in fact the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. End quote. Ashley takes people seriously. She shares courageously, vulnerably and openly about her brokenness and her struggles and in so doing gives us all permission to be open about ours too. She's wise, funny and as well as being a wonderful friend she just so happens to be a super talented, critically acclaimed Grammy award winning artist, speaker and writer. But you'd never know it because she's so humble. And one time, early in our friendship, I was in Nashville at her home for dinner and I asked her if she'd show me her studio because, I don't know about you, but I'm so fascinated to see where artists work and create. And as we headed downstairs and went through a corridor on the way to her studio, there was a desk with papers and three trophies. And I said as I passed, oh, what are those, some prizes you won? She looked at me and laughed. They were her three Grammys. Oh dear. But Ashley found it hysterical and we still laugh about how awfully patronising it all sounded with my British accent. Anyway, Ashley is such a good sport and so much fun. We've been on tour together, we've led retreats together, we've been in concert. She's wonderful and wise and a good friend. And I love any time I get to be with her. I can't wait for you to hear from her today and be as encouraged and comforted as I was. Let me read to you from the Jesus Storybook Bible a passage that sort of resonated with what Ashley shares about. It's from the story called The Singer, about the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus tells people not to be afraid, not to worry. Little flock, Jesus said, you are more important than birds, more important than flowers. The birds and the flowers don't sit and worry about things. And God doesn't want his children to worry either. God loves to look after the birds and the flowers and he loves to look after you too. Jesus knew that God would always love and watch over the world he had made. Everything in it, birds, flowers, trees, animals, everything. And most of all, his children. Even though people had forgotten, the birds and the flowers hadn't forgotten. 
they still knew their song. It was the song all of God's creation had sung to him from the very beginning. It was the song people's hearts were made to sing. God made us. He loves us. He's very pleased with us. It was why Jesus had come into the world, to sing them that wonderful song, to sing it not only with his voice, but with his whole life, so that God's children could remember it and join in and sing it too. So, without further ado, please welcome my friend, and now yours, Ashley Cleveland. My name is Ashley Cleveland. I am from Knoxville, Tennessee. I have uh, had a 40-year career uh, in music as a recording artist and a songwriter. And more recently, I expanded my writing to include prose. And so I've written one book that was published in 2013, and my second book is about to come out. And uh, then two years ago, I uh, entered into an apprenticeship in spiritual direction, which I just graduated from. And as a result of that, I have taken um, a part-time position as a pastoral associate uh, at Church of the Redeemer in Nashville. You know, as someone who had a really <laughs> long wander, I, I think I can tell you now at 64, nearly 65, nothing is for nothing. And all of it ends up counting. So I started trying to recover from alcoholism and drug addiction in 1984. And um, I went through a period where I didn't drink, but I didn't recover because I wasn't very teachable. I was just going to do things my way. And as a result, I, you know, I managed to put together about seven years of sobriety, and then I just decided I was well and relapsed off and on for six years. But when I came back in to the rooms of recovery, I really came back in full. Those rooms are where we begin to look at serving others. And it starts out very small, you know, show up 10 minutes early and make a coffee. Um, But it expands from there. And what we begin to discover is that so much of the joy of our life is tied up in focusing on the needs of others because we are surely sick of ourselves by now. But then the answer is, well, no, I'm still pretty self-involved. So... Um, That was like the beginning of my understanding of giving my life away to others. And, And I think for me, because I grew up, you know, I grew up in the South, I grew up in the church, but I also grew up in a very disordered, um, failing family, um, failing because of alcoholism, failing because, um, as it turns out, my father was gay, and and um, and so and they did their level best, everyone, and and I love my family, but 
I, you know, I just had a lot of, I carried a lot of baggage and I carried a lot of uh, performance anxiety because both of my parents, uh, despite what they struggled with, they were both incredibly accomplished and, and very beautiful people. And their kind of, their way of coping in the world was certainly about performing well and looking good. And it was, you know, it was just another way of, of getting by, but, but that expectation was transferred um, to the children. And uh, it is not too far of a leap to attach that expectation to God. So I kind of came up thinking of God as a performance-loving God. And the God, of course, that I met was anything but. And then, as I grew closer to Jesus, everything started to make sense. And I realized that it was his life in me that I was offering. I think so much of my faith has been reframing what I thought to what really is true and life-giving. To live in a society that is as fear-driven as ours is, you know, I, I, I'm doing my level best not to participate in the fear. You know, when you think about how many times Jesus said, don't be afraid, and how much we needed for him to remind us that, you know, that fear was not the path, so... You know, I can be disappointed. I mean, there are there are major things in my life that I've begged God for, begged him for years that I have that so far the answer is no, but even in the profound disappointments and losses, what I know is that he doesn't give me everything that I long for, but what he does give me every time is himself and more and more of it. It's like those spaces or those holes that open up in us of longing and, you know, and a sense of emptiness. Those are the places that he just invades with his beauty and love. And if I start monkeying around and try to temper the sorrow and the pain, then I'm going to temper the joy too. When I really began to recover, I was under no illusions about my own capacity to do pretty much anything under the right circumstances. So for me, it was a blessing that my own kind of goodness was off the table because it it there was a freedom in that to really to look at myself a little clear more clear-eyed as as clear-eyed as we're ever able to look at ourselves you know but also to allow God to point me to the things he wanted me to see and to understand and he still points me you know 
uh, right now I'm going through the Ignatian exercises with a spiritual director, and um, that's a nine-month prayer cycle that, you know, and you spend weeks sitting in your sins. And, um, and, uh, and, and there's a part of me just laughed and thought, well, I'm not a stranger to that, so I don't know if there's anything new, but there's always something new. And sometimes, you know, or always, I would say, the Lord surprises you. It's a, a blessing to me that I, I have two 12-step programs that if I'm diligent in, in them, that's how they're structured is to keep us honest and keep pressing us into these, you know, sins that that threaten to destroy us. And I think the thing that is beautiful and helpful for me is that I what I discover, you know, when I let go of those notions of goodness or, you know, performance and I come to God in my flaws and in my selfishness and intolerance and callousness that what he gives me is is a far better um, love, a far better love than what I get when I go fishing for it with my performance or with my need to be good. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at Jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love.